On the new podcast, American Criminal, you'll learn about the fraud, theft, and murder that marks the dark side of the American dream. Like the Menendez murders, was it two greedy kids who killed their parents for money, or is there more? Listen to American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. Ray Coob on the imbalanced history of rock and roll here with my partner in crime, Marcus Goldman. We're going to talk to an old friend today. She's got a great sense of humor. She's fun to talk to. She's got interesting and fascinating stories about the music scene in the 70s. I mean, just some great stuff. So you get to hear a really fun conversation today. Last time we talked to her was in the middle of the pandemic. Let's talk to Annie Haslam of Renaissance on the Imbalance History. Good afternoon, Annie. Hello. Hello. My God, what's that color for God's... Whoa, hello. I know, turn his shirt off, it's so loud, huh? I can't hear you, his shirt's too loud. It's electric. (laughs) Uh, What are you doing up in a tree? (laughs) This bird. I've got a hawk, who, a red-tailed hawk, who uh, hunts near us. There are red-tailed hawks and uh, bald eagles uh, nest over there. And uh, this young guy was uh, hunting, and uh, he looked at me like if I didn't stop taking pictures, he was going to fly at me and uh, eat my eyeballs. So I backed off slowly. Yeah, he was very serious. He's a beautiful bird, and we still see him. I saw him nab a squirrel a couple weeks ago. And he's amazing. He's super good at what he does. That was in the tree between our house and our neighbor's house. And he's just a rad, red-tailed hawk. They had in England, um, they had a big problem with them. All of a sudden, like, they were everywhere. I mean, I love birds. I mean, I've got no problem at all with them. Like, hey, I, I love red-tailed red tails, too, but I wouldn't want to have a Hitchcock moment with them, if you nope. know what I mean. No way. No. They fly no. fast. They're fast, and they're strong. have a name for it? Yeah, I call him uh, Lemmy. Ah. Lemmy Hawkwind. So, last week was, spoke. It was last time we, we were speaking. When was that? It was during the pandemic um, about a year ago before the, uh, yeah, before the that's album. That's what I was just going to bring up. It's yeah. been a while. Yeah. yeah. How you feeling? You feeling better? Yeah, I'm feeling a lot better. I had a, a, a lot of... Uh, a lot of medical things. What the hell is this AGE thing? It's terrible. Uh, you know what? It beats oh P-E-A-T-H. I'll just say that, okay? It's a dirty I remember word. my mother. She kept her age until she was 75. She looked amazing. And then all of a sudden, she just kind of just was old, you know. I'm 75. Don't. <laughs> and, uh, we weren't going to ask her tell, but, you know, you're looking good. 75, you're kidding me. You look awesome. Mm-hmm. Stop. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm not. Okay, I just had cataract surgery. That's weird. I wake up in the morning. I'm like this, trying to find my glasses. You know, but I had to have it. You know, the only problem there, the big problem is when they're on your face and you have that, that blurry vision. And I'm, yeah, I'm glad really you're okay there. Weird. I mean, I've got more lines now as well that because I've been wearing glasses so long. I was just wearing my contacts when I was doing it shows. You know, all part of our COVID reality and getting adjusted back into things. The other thing is. 
you had a lot of things that you had to get done, uh, plans that it had to be rescheduled, tours that were already in the office. Already contracted, yeah. Yeah, but it's all been out there, done and dusted, so how'd it go? Well, since I saw you, I was supposed to, as as we spoke the last time, I think I, uh, I had to cancel my Christmas show, which would have been the first show two and a half years. First time ever in my life, I had a very slight uh, problem with a, a node in my throat. And I couldn't sing. So I had to cancel that show. I had to really take care of myself because Brazil was coming up, uh, which it did. That was interesting. It was it, the last tour we did was phenomenal. This time it was it was different. It was certainly different. There were a few problems with equipment and stage stuff, which we never had before. Um, or because there were different people doing it this time and there just wasn't the same, you know. But the people were there and it, it was great. We did four shows. And then I decided to stay on for another 10 days because 21 years ago, I wrote a song with a, a singer-songwriter. He's pretty well known in Brazil called Flavio Venturini. Uh-huh. And, and I went over with Rave, my keyboard player, and we did some shows with his band. Well, you can imagine the Brazilian band. Oh, my God. What amazing musicians they are down there. But you know what? If I popped off tomorrow, I would, I would be so... <laughs> thankful for a million things that I've done that people keep reminding me of like when I was 15 I jumped on the stage to try and grab hold of Mick Jagger in Cornwall no I didn't I know did, that I, didn't, I never I heard that story that. I wasn't that kind of person wow I mean, why? and some friend of mine I saw when I went to England in uh, January 2020 to edit that DVD we did I went to see a friend I used to go to school with and I saw her sister and she said Oh, Anne. She's Cornish accent, you know. Oh, Anne. <laughs> you remember? We remember when we went. We when we went to Caroline Bay. We went to see the Rolling Stones, and you went up the side and tried to climb on the stage. Wow, <laughs> that's classic. Wow, yes, you did. So, but anyway, um, yeah, a lot, of, a lot of stuff. But anyway, so uh, in 2021, when we we did this work with Flavio and his band, which was. Mm-hmm wonderful that we wrote a song together and we played it live but we never recorded it so i stayed on brazil this time and it just so happened that the day we recorded it was my 75th birthday Ta-da. it's called poetry of the birds it's going to be released shortly and um this the studio uh, was called um Sonisterio, and it's on top of a mountain range outside of belo horizonte in brazil and you you you, you look out when you're singing and it's just a mountain range and you feel like you can touch it it's right there unbelievable i feel like i was a bit tired but some somehow something was with me that just you know just gave me the energy to do a really good job you know with the singing but it was fantastic you know a few problems we had on the tour technical and things it just all went away because this was so magnificent you know you could see why and my be- i had and you can stay there in the studio uh, they've got bedrooms and i had a bedroom and i opened the windows in the morning there's the mountain range right there in front of me it was wonderful. breathtaking sounds like it's so breathtaking. we did that that's coming out soon and then we got home and three weeks later we had to go to germany because we were doing Night of the Prog, which is the biggest uh, prog festival in Europe. And it's on top of a mountain. Um, it, it's called Lorelei, um, mm. an hour and a half from Frankfurt. And yeah, our hotel was in Frankfurt. We had to drive one hour and 15 minutes four times in one day. Oh. Uh, you, uh, and I had an accident. 
You'll, this is the best thing. That, um, yeah, so we get there. I went two days earlier. It was about 104 degrees when I got there. Hot was, summer over there, really. Uh, well, it was the, the heat wave as well, you know. Yeah, really yeah. So I, uh, I got through that. And then so the day of the show, um, we had to get up early because we had to leave for sound check at 8 o'clock, I think it was, because the sound check was 9.30 in the morning. Because of the, the you know the bands like Pineapple Thief were on and um, people like that. Right, the early bands. Plus, you don't want to be doing sound check if you can avoid it in the middle of that heat. Jeez. Oh, it was awful. It was like it was like a sound check in the middle of the night because I was jet lagging. <laughs> so you know we did that. And this place. Um, and they all think it's glorious and you know rock star lifestyle. You know they on the ground reality have no sometimes. Idea. No idea. I'm gonna still pretend to be the angel that they think I am. Well, that kind of leads to, to my next question. You've been gallivanting about. You know, the fans are, the, in Germany, like there are about 3,000 people there. It's called The Rock. It's a giant, giant rock. And it's, a, it's a, you know, it's a boat tale about this mermaid, um, Lorelei. And it was, uh, it's a national heritage site. And Hitler apparently used to go up there and do all his get-togethers with his people and, you know. I think I saw something about that. It was kind of really odd. And I thought, I hope nothing happens while I was here, while I'm here, you know, just because of that. Well, the the driver of the bus that was taking us back and forth and with all the, the guys parked the truck when we got back after a sound check in the wrong place. And there were these giant orange cylinder cylinders, I would say, made out of metal, about 20 inches high and about that round to stop you from parking there. So we parked there. I opened the door. What did I do? It was right by me. I fell right over it. Did you get hurt? Uh, I did not. But as I've got a dislocated vertebra, if I'd have gone on my back, mm. yeah, I wouldn't be speaking to you now. It's almost like I had help. Put my arm out to help me. I hurt, I hurt my hand badly. But I didn't break anything, and that's grazed my knee. That was bleeding. <laughs> and uh, the band had already gone into the hotel. I was on my own out there. And then oh, some- no. Yeah, it's, you know, it was like, what can we do to that Annie Aslam today? Let's see. Oh. Uh, it looked like I was okay, and I didn't break any bones. So I decided I had to, I couldn't not do the show after show must the go pandemic on. stopping me, you know. <laughs> I said, let's go back up to the festival. I'll go back because we were going to rest in that four hours. I went back with Pineapple Thief. Gavin Harrison, the drummer, was our drummer once in the 80s. He's now one of the best drummers in the world. He's with um, Porcupine Tree as well. The drummer. Oh, yeah. Gavin. So he was there. I hadn't seen him for years. So I went back up there because they were going up for their sound check and I hitched a ride with them. The same driver again. <laughs> And I was in a lot of pain. They did have medics up there. They looked after me and, and and I was okay. I didn't break anything, but I was shaky on stage and I lost some words in Symphony of Light. But it was a great show. The audience were amazing. It was just... A little crazy? <laughs> little crazy? Every day for me is crazy. It was a great show the, and we hadn't been there for many years to Germany. So 
And then we went home the next day. And so that was it. Annie Haslam is our guest on the Imbalanced History of Rock and Roll. And I saw an article that told me about a couple of things I never knew about you. And we've known each other for a few minutes, right? I never knew that you worked on Savile Row. And that originally being a clothes designer or you know, creating clothes and stuff was what you wanted to do, even though you were a natural singer. Well, my brother Michael was a singer. You know, he was uh, managed by Brian Epstein and a uh, ballad singer. He went on tour with the Beatles several times. My heart won't say goodbye. Though I hurt and I cry. Why is it when I say I'll leave you behind me, my heart must remind me I need you so. I, I didn't, at that point, when he was doing that, I, I didn't even know that I was a singer. We both got it from my father, who was a great singer, but uh, he was an amateur comedian singer. Uh, very funny man, but a great voice. And so uh, so I wanted to be a dress designer, went to art school for that, and then I came to London, got several different jobs in different companies to keep my you know food in my mouth. And then I got this job as a, a, a tailor, not a tailoress, but as a, you know an apprentice uh, for a Savile Row tailor, David J. Coombs. That was, it was, Incredible! Some famous movie stars, you know. Uh, and I remember when the, the the they did the the Beatles were on top of the building next next door, wherever it was, with the concert. I didn't go, obviously, because was, was that working. near where you were working as an apprentice? I was working as an apprentice for a Savaro Taylor. But I mean, was that right near where you were when you were working there? What you mean the the Beatles thing? Yeah. The Apple building is in Savile Row. Uh-huh. We were right by that. We were close. So we, oh, we could I hear didn't it. Know that. But, you know, wow. You yeah, could right hear it. There. It's funny because this fan said, he wrote to me, he said, I saw you, I know where you are because you are on top of the building behind John Lennon. I thought, no, I wasn't. <laughs> oh, because you've talked about being able to have heard it. People they figured had, you were there. Had, they, it, was, it gets from one person to another person. It, it gets added to it. <laughs> you know, that was that was incredible. That was the, you know just being there and let, and then the recession. There was a very bad recession in England, and uh, he had to let me go because I was the last one to join the, the, the company, uh-huh. and it broke my heart. But you know I understood, and I went on, and then you know I ended up a singer. More with Annie Haslam right after this short break. We've got words from our sponsors: Crooked Eye and Boldfoot Socks. You know, Marcus, when Marisa got back from her power walk the other day, she started doing a testimonial for Boldfoot Socks, so I told her, hold on, and I sat her down and had her record it. Hey, Marisa, tell us all about your Boldfoot Socks. You know how much I love to go out on that 5.30 a.m. power walk, and I'm usually coming home sweating and dripping wet from head to toe. But since I bought my Boldfoot Socks, that isn't true anymore, at least not for my toes. After any workout or one of my long walks, I take off my shoes, I take off my socks, and I can't believe how dry my feet are. Even my socks aren't really that wet. These are the bold foot socks that I'm telling you about. 
Uh, they're so comfortable that I barely feel them on my feet when I'm walking or exercising. Every time you put on these socks, there's two words in capital letters that have so much meaning. You see the words, be bold. What that means to me is that if I'm going to go out for that walk, that jog, to the gym, wherever I'm going, it gives me a message that I can give it my best shot, that I can be empowered. I know it sounds crazy. It's just a pair of socks, but that's what it does for me. And they also wick the sweat away. That's Boldfoot Socks at Boldfoot.com. Check them out and be bold. Hey, Ray, it's been a really fun summer, and included in that summer fun is all the happenings at Crooked Eye Brewery over in the heart of Hatboro. So much going on, including the opening of the Crooked Eye Kitchen and the arrival of Salty Vets Barbecue. Matt and his team started small, but demand immediately outgrew what they'd done, so they've been making more to keep people fed over there. I got to tell you, man, so much has changed in the way things are going, too, like Rich and John are doing a duet now, and they're appearing regularly in addition to all the the regulars like the Crooked Eye Band. And with the fall coming on, you're going to see some really nice fall varieties of beers in the And cider, room. too, yeah. probably. Don't forget, it's all there. Craft cocktails, too, at Crooked Eye at the main location right there off York Road in Hapro. Pouring the cure for what ails you since 2014 and now pouring craft cocktails and serving up that salty vet fall-off-the-bone barbecue. Keep up with what's going on at the Crooked Eye Brewery by following them on Facebook. Hey, Pantheon listeners, Christian Swain here. You caught me just finishing up some editing on Getting Real with John and Beth. I want to share my first experience with Factor Meals for you. I think you'll find this interesting because I bet the same thing happens to you. I had just received my first shipment from Factor Meals the other day, and I was excited to try one of the prepared restaurant-quality meals for myself. Anyway, I was working away and noticed it was very late, and it was my night to make dinner. I jumped up and headed to the kitchen, went to grab the ingredients for the dish I was going to make, and realized I was missing a prime ingredient. Well... I could make a run to the store, or I could make one of my new factor meals. <laughs> Actually, the choice was easy. I grabbed a cavatappi, an Italian-style pork ragu with garlic broccoli, heated the oven per instructions, and minutes later was enjoying a very delicious, nutritious, and dietitian approved meal. It really was everything Factor Meals said it would be. No prep, no mess meals. Factor Meals are 100% ready to heat and eat. Take it from me and head to factormeals.com slash Pantheon50 and use the code Pantheon50 to get 50% off. That's factormeals.com slash Pantheon50 and use the code Pantheon50 to get 50% off. There's a story that I saw, something about singing around the house. You mentioned your father and your brother singing, and that you didn't, re like you said, didn't realize you had this talent. Was there one moment when you were adding to the fun where they both stopped and looked at you and you went, what? And everybody started realizing that you had this No, talent. well, no, because um, Michael and, and Keith had left home at that point. All I know is that that song, uh, Diana by Paul Anka, was on the radio all the time. So that's going to mm. be... 50s? Late 50s, something like that, whatever. And and so I don't know. I, all I remember is my dad, so we've got some family, of visit, somebody was visiting and my dad said, Anne, come on then, let's hear you sing Diana, because I think they heard me singing along with it one day, right, the radio. Oh. 
And I said, I'm going to go in the kitchen. <laughs> I'm going to shut the door. <laughs> See, my dad must have recognised something then when I was that child. They sent me mm -hmm. for elocution lessons. Ah. And I thought, why are they doing this to me? They must have known that I needed to get rid of the, you know, a really strong voice like this, you know. <laughs> and I just found out the other oh, day. Oh, the guess what, thing. Annie? Annie, one second. Yeah. Our research team listening to our conversation is uh, sending me a message that Paul Anka's Diana was released in July of 1957. Just uh, for I was 10. So that that's was like the, your first Yeah, that's, that's the that first time anybody sing. heard me sing. And, and that was my audience. You know, I was in the kitchen. <laughs> they, were the, they were in the other room. Well, you know, all those years later during the pandemic, you were singing in the kitchen again, you know. <laughs> I, I sing anywhere. Because I sing in the bathroom, in the toilet, whatever you want, really. <laughs> is it... Is it really, really nice to get out of the house, do what you do, get on the road with the band, do all yes. the, the stuff, even though I know it can be very, very stressful at times, just to do the tours and to do the shows and get to the fans and bring the music out? Is the, the good thing about this band, uh, I was talking to somebody earlier, is that there's no egos other than mine. I, I, I'm, I don't, I don't, I'm joking there. There's no problems with anybody in the band or the orchestra that we, we work with now. We, it's like a family. We have a wonderful time. And the thing is that everybody connected with the band love the music so much, including me. I never get fed up with singing. It's so special. It's, this music is so special and so different. And it's still different. It's, it's timeless. Because of the pandemic, I thought that was the end of everything, of course. And then I, th I thought, well... I'm hoping it's not, but I couldn't see any, you know, when we were right in it, everybody was looking to try and see a future, but you couldn't, you couldn't, because we didn't know. There was, there was so many different things going on. You didn't know who to believe. Unprecedented um, in our times. You know what I, I thought would really help us all is if we could get one person who lived through it a hundred years ago, because they're all gone, right? Bring them forward. If they could have sent one person, from you know 100 years ago to help us all they could have probably had a lot of answers that would have made it less stressful than it, than it yeah had. it was it was difficult all over the world wasn't it, it was, i cried every day i, I know sad. that's why i first question i asked you is how you yeah. feeling because i know yeah. what that was like it was awful i was you know for, for every for everything the planet everything animals everything well obviously we had to do the brazilian and the the German thing because we've got the contract so mm -hmm. we knew that we would be doing that I was looking forward to the Christmas show Sellersville but then I got a problem with my throat and I had to cancel it well <laughs> there are dates on the board ladies and gentlemen uh, you're going to be out in October staying kind of close to home I see that you're uh, playing on Long Island and Red Bank you've got a date at the Keswick such a great place of course you, you've uh, recorded there in the past yeah, and Finger Lakes and uh, New York. We've been visiting some in uh, Cooperstown this year, and uh, it's always good to get up and visit the folks up there. And I see just before Halloween, wrapping things up at the Town Hall in New York. That's kind of cool. Yeah, you know what? I just remembered the last time we played there, it was either on Halloween or the day before. It was, You're yeah. too off. Yeah, you go. Yeah, no, that's a lovely venue. But I think the Keswick is our favourite. Something about it, you know, the people that, or, you know, uh, the promoter, everybody that works there. It's just, 
it, it's it's so easy you know there's 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 never any problems it's, it's just a wonderful place to be well your band plays it masterfully it's a wonderful acoustic place to play as well in addition to all the other stuff and, and also i don't know if i can say this but we also have an indiegogo campaign going on okay tell us about, about that yeah, well, we did one last time when we did the, the tour in 2019 mm-hmm. because we have an orchestra of, of 10 musicians. So there's 16 of us all, t- all together. So, but to record is, costs a lot, a lot yes. of money. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's impossible with a record deal, which, you know, is, is a thing of the past, basically, for a lot of people. Um, so we started a, an Indiegogo campaign to raise the funds to help us with the orchestra to, to record and everything. So that's going on right now. What's the header for that if people go to the app to donate? If they go to the Indiegogo, just go look look for Renaissance, and it should, okay. it, should get, it should go to the page, yeah. Excellent. Well, do that, folks, because that's how things are getting done this way. You almost like feel like you're sharing in... Uh, you know the ownership of it as a fan so it's yeah. a good thing good thing all around i was just wondering you were talking about your childhood and singing and some of the early stuff that you did do you remember the first record that was gifted to you or the first record you bought with your own money yes will you still love me tomorrow by the shirelles tonight you're mine I think the second one was Rubber Ball by Bobby V. Wow. <laughs> and then the third one was Locomotion. Oh, wow. Yeah, now, the original, right? What I made, used to dance to that. I used to go around like this, sh- 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 like I was a steam train, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so what What made you pick those records out out of all of the other uh, records that were out there at the time? Because there was a lot of great music coming out yeah, at that time. I wasn't, I'm kind of an odd person, really. When I look back and think about other people growing up and, you know, like, a lot of girls would wear a lot of flowery clothes and everything. I never, I never was never really into flowery, feminine high heels. I, you know, I think the highest heel was like three inches. I th- oh no, that I tell a lie. I thought once I really would like a pair of stiletto heels, and so I taught my dad into taking me into St Austell in Cornwall and buy me a five-inch pair of white winkle picker shoes winkle pickers that's come up on the podcast before and he dropped me off at the local dance right in foy and i sat down and i couldn't get up (laughs) because i couldn't get my balance on these shoes (laughs) (laughs) so i sat there all night until my dad came (laughs) but anyway um i've lost my train of thought now i just i just went straight back to that that place 
so I, I wasn't the kind of person that was that was really into music. I don't. I mean, I probably listened to it um, on the radio, but not really got all that excited that I was going to go and buy things. And so I guess I heard it one day and I wrote it down and I got. And my dad got me a record player and that was the first one I bought. Oh, cool. So it wasn't like I was an avid collector or listening to all kinds of music, except when we were still living in Bolton when in 1962, when my brother was playing, learning, we were playing the guitar and he was playing locally before he got discovered. Um, I used to go into his bedroom and, and, and he said, don't make a noise. And what we'd have, we'd have the radio on very low. It was Radio Luxembourg. Slim Harpo was responsible for that unusual ballad, and Ian Mingus conjures up this piece of taboo. And I don't know if you've ever heard of that, and it was like everybody listened to Radio Luxembourg, if you could get it, in those days. And um, we used to lie there and listen to all this this music. That was my, actually, I guess that was my first, my first introduction to music on the radio, to be honest, proper music. And, and I remember one of the songs was Katie Lester, Love Letters. Love letters straight from your heart Keep us so near while apart you know, I just remember lying on the floor and listening to that song thinking hmm. and not realising that I was going to be a singer. I had no idea, no wow. idea. My brother was the singer, not me. So, you know, so it's like... But it all got in there. Music, it all got into your brain, music you know? was put in front of me. It wasn't like, you know, a lot of people go, oh, yeah, oh my God, I heard this. And then my friend said this. I wasn't like that. I, I, I'm not saying I didn't have a lot. I didn't have a lot of friends, really. I was never, you know, one of these people like, oh, let's go let's go to the cinema on Thursday, show. I'm going to wash my hair. Oh, no, I'll, we don't eat fish on Monday. I'll do the washing on Friday. All that kind of stuff. I'm not like that. <laughs> That's why, you know, so I was being prepared for this really ridiculous life that I've had since, you know what I mean? Yeah. Because, you always wondered yeah. why it was like this, but then when you got to do what you were doing, it's like, oh. Yeah, I was learning about life, but differently than everybody else, all my, all my other little girlfriends, school friends and everything. Very yeah. cool. <laughs> and Very they all cool. got married. Most of them got married and they've got grandkids now, you know. I love hearing about influences and and uh, what what excited people who ended up going on to do music in their lives. It's really interesting to hear what what music excited you, what records excited you. You know, it's all part of the learning process, and it's fascinating to hear the, all these the, connections. There is, there is a, a, an interesting couple of interesting things. Well, I had a boyfriend called Eric Peacock, and he's the one who heard me singing at a party, and he's the one who encouraged me and put me in for these talent competitions and everything. At one point, it was before that. I was was I still with Eric, or was I cheating on him? Can't remember. Anyway, <laughs> I just, can't remember to be Not honest. But anyway, oh, I know what it was. I, I went to, to to get a job with this company called Winsmore um, as um, a, a fashion artist. As, you know, to, to design things for them, right? And so I did, I went there and I was so excited because to, to go for that, it's a top job really back then. And so, and I was very good at drawing and, and coming up with ideas. So they took me in a room and they said, they gave me a book and said, just 
come up with as many ideas as you, whatever you do so we can see your style of, of drawing you know the, the owner of the company came in to see me and he saw what I was doing he said oh my gosh I really like your work he was an older man he said I'm looking forward to seeing you when I come back from holidays which really meant you've got the job right wow. but he was going for two weeks at the end of this day, the, I was taken into the office and they said, we're sorry, but um, you know, you're not right. They took, the, took my book in the office for two hours. I had to wait two hours. So they must have copied everything that I had, had done. And then they said, sorry, it didn't work. And I was heartbroken. And my mom and dad were about to go to Canada. And they said, right, you're coming with us. I went to Canada for a month. While in Canada, we went to the Brunswick Tavern and there was a talent night. Everybody was drinking lager. It was in Toronto, and they they had the, the the songs. You could choose whatever one you wanted, and they're all written out in cardboard. So I thought oh. early karaoke, right? Yeah, yeah, that, exactly. And so I chose the, those were the days because I knew it. Mary Hopkin, you know. Once upon a time, there was a tavern <laughs> just remember they may not have as much punch but if you drink enough lagers it can be dangerous yeah so i won that and then and then years later tony visconti is now my friend and he's you know produced a couple of my albums mm -hmm. and then when i was with eric peacock i remember we moved into this place in north chinkford on the edge of epping forest it's another amazing place and um we went to a shop you know, record shop, and bought ELO. Mm. First mm. one. Oh, wow. Well, guess who's on that? Well, Roy Wood, of course. Another nutcase. I, I, end up, I end up living with Roy Wood and <laughs> producing my album. It's like all this stuff coming back. It's, been, it's, like, it's been like that my whole life, I think. When I look back, all these things are coming back, you know. Mm -hmm. Like the last, we brought Jim McCarty, you know, of course, was from the right. Yardbirds. Brought him over in 2019 to be at the show in New York and and the Keswick. Yes, I saw him. And yeah. he, he because the song he wrote with Keith was called and with Beethoven was called um, Island. So we brought him over and we. And that was your audition song, wasn't it? And we did the, we did Island with the orchestra and with Jim. And that was your audition song when you joined. That was the my band, audition right? song I that got me that. the job. Wow. Yeah, and there's Jim. Yeah, and he's he's a great guy. He's funny. He's a nice guy. That was that was very special. And I've got lots of stories like that, but I know we haven't got the time. <laughs> Sorry. Always time for you, God, my God, it's so much stuff. It's crazy. But at least I'm in. The, I'm feeling a lot better than I did a few months ago. That's good. We're glad. Had a heart here. thing going on, and had to get that checked out, and had a catheter, a cardiac catheterization, or whatever. That was scary. Mm. And then I, they checked my lungs out, and I, 
and it, and they, we did these tests where you know hold your breath for as long as you can, which is fine for me. And at the end of it, he said, "Well, he said there's nothing wrong with your lungs." He said, "People <laughs> give good money for those lungs." <laughs> that was a really well done. Well, oh, come on. Because he said, "I think it must be a singing." Your lungs are your lungs are amazing. Yeah. Do you have an exercise routine? Do you have a, a strict <laughs> dietary routine or anything no. like that? <laughs> you know, when I'm painting, because I'm painting a lot now as well, and I've got commissions and things, I sit down a lot, and really I should get up every couple of hours and then lie down, you know, to rest your back. But I, I forget to yeah. do that. But or take a walk, take a little walk, just a mile. Yeah, I know I should. I know I should, but then the phone will go, and then right now we're in the middle of doing all the tour things. Oh, by the way, it's great that the phone hasn't gone off once during this entire interview. That's Unlike because the last I took time. it off the hook. Ah, there we go. <laughs> well, thanks for that. <laughs> it's very simple. <laughs> True. Always. Oh, hey, before I forget, I got to thank Scott Bluebond for getting us together today. I know we can call each other on the phone anytime, Andy, but it was just good to have Scott in the mix. Oh, yeah. Hi, Thanks Scott. For help. Thank Hi, you. Scott. <laughs> Hello, Scott. Hi, Tara. Annie Haslam on the Imbalance History of Rock and Roll. I know you got a lot going on. Thanks so much, Annie. Yeah, well, thank, thank you, you so, so much. much. Appreciate it. Re- really enjoyed it. Me too. <laughs> thank you. Renaissance back on the road and on the podcast. Always so good to talk to Annie Haslam. Now I'm going to have that song Diana in my head all day. You know, it's an earworm. I'm going to be like all day now. <laughs> I'm definitely going to listen to that one again Please as well. Stay good stuff. Diana. <laughs> <laughs> oh, always fun to get in, uh, in crazy mode whenever we talk to Annie, though. And she just brings it out in us. She turns us all into nutcases, you know. Absolutely. We we need to get her back again in the near future to share some more great stories of that golden period of rock and roll in the 70s when Renaissance was really shining bright. Huh. Till the next time we crack the mic in the Dark Duck Studios, I'm Ray Coob. I'm Marcus Goldman. This is the Imbalance History of Rock and Roll. What would you do to achieve the American dream? The big house, the happy family, the money. 911, what's your emergency? Would you put in the hours? Would you take a big swing? What's the problem? What's the problem? Would you lie? Would you cheat? Would I shop? Would I shop? Would you kill? Yes. From Airship, the studio behind American Scandal, comes a new true crime history podcast. I'm Jeremy Schwartz, and I'll be taking you inside the minds of some of our most notorious felons and outlaws, exploring the dark side of the American dream. In my new show, American Criminal, you'll meet the picture-perfect brothers who killed their parents, the thief who stole babies, the crypto king who siphoned off billions and plenty more. From assassins and gangsters to killers and con artists, whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the full story until now. 
Don't miss the debut season of American Criminal, the Menendez Brothers, beginning February 29th. Listen wherever you get your podcasts, or to get early ad-free access to the entire season first, plus hundreds of other ad-free history podcast episodes, subscribe at intohistory.com.